Psalm 121, a song of ascents. I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord, who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. This is God's word. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you for your word. We thank you that you have given us promises that we can bank our life on. And we thank you that we can come together even here this morning to hear from you and to worship you. And so, Lord, would you be with us? Would you be our help, just as the psalmist said that you are? Would you be our help this morning? Be with me. Give me words to say. And may my words be sound and good and true. And Lord, would you be with us all so that we might get a glimpse of your glory and so be satisfied with you. And Lord, we also ask for our brothers and sisters over in Portland at Trinity and their pastor, Thomas. Would you be with him and give him strength and boldness so that he might fully proclaim your word and also be with your people there so that they might hear it and receive it and have joy and rejoicing. And be with our missionaries, Evan and Christy, as well. Help them um, with everything going on and all the barricades that are causing them to, to not be able to return to Thailand. Be with them. Give them favor so that they might return and, and do ministry there so that people might hear your gospel and be saved. And so, Lord, would you do this all in our midst, even here and now, we ask in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. There are dangers all around us. There are thieves, vandals, and murderers. And so in order to ensure that we stay safe, we move into neighborhoods that, that are safe. And we install our security systems and we lock our doors at night. Our cars are dangerous too, not to mention the hundreds of other cars that you may have passed on your way to church this morning. And so we buy safer cars and we buckle up and we keep our cars in tip-top shape. Not only this, though, there are dangers in the workplace, dangers in the grocery store, dangers at the park. There are dangers everywhere. And if we think staying at home will keep us safe, well, then we should think again. Our houses are dangerous too, for they can catch on fire. Carbon monoxide can fill the airs in our home, so we better make sure that our, our smoke detectors are, are working and that we, we have our carbon monoxide detectors as well. Make sure those batteries are up to date. Don't forget to turn off the oven when you're done cooking. Don't forget to change the air filters in your home and your water filters as well. And you better hope there's no natural disasters near us. And I haven't even mentioned the many ways in which our own bodies can fail. There are dangers all around us. 
And it's no wonder there are so many of us who are constantly anxious, be it from sickness, vaccines, the loss of jobs, or even a domineering government. Every one of us knows what it means to be afraid. So if you're prone to anxiety like I am, well, this morning's psalm is especially for you. But before we get into the psalm, I want us to get a better understanding of this psalm and how it was originally used. Psalm 121 is titled, A, psalm of, a Song of Ascents, and it's one of 15 other psalms that have this same title. This psalm and the other 15 would have been sung by pilgrims on their way to Jerusalem for their three yearly Jewish festivals. But why is it called a, a song of ascents? Well, in order to better understand this, it's helpful to look at a map. And so there's a map I'm going to put here up on the screen. This map should help us understand that, that Jerusalem is, has a higher elevation than anywhere else around it. And so on this journey to Jerusalem, there is an ascending pattern that happens regardless of whether you're coming from the north or the south or the east or the west. In fact, this map actually shows Jesus's journeys to Jerusalem. And, and he lived in an area up north in Galilee. And Jerusalem is down south in Judea. And yet throughout the gospels, when it describes Jesus's trips to Jerusalem, it describes it like this. This is Luke 2. 41, I don't have the scripture on the screen, but it says this. Now, his parents went to Jerusalem every year for the feast of Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up, it says, up, according to custom. So he, he went up to Jerusalem, even though they're traveling down south to Jerusalem. You see, a trip to Jerusalem was a hike up into the mountains. Hence the title, A Song of Ascents. They are traveling up. They are ascending up into Jerusalem. And so with this in mind, let us again hear the language of the psalm and imagine hearing this as a pilgrim and singing this song as a traveler on your way to Jerusalem and to the hill countries of Judea. Psalm 121, a song of ascents. I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. So hopefully by now you hear the language of a, a pilgrim on their journey to Jerusalem. But we should understand that a pilgrim's journey would not have been so luxurious like we have it today. A pilgrim didn't have a car with AC in the summer heat or, or heat to turn on in the cool of winter. Rather, a pilgrim had to endure the elements and all the dangers that came along the road on the way to Jerusalem. And this trip could take up to four days for those who were even able-bodied and well-equipped for the journey. And so Psalm 21, it addresses the, the many dangers that a pilgrim might encounter along the way. But this song, it also applies further to us as well. For each and every single one of us who is in Christ is also a pilgrim on a journey to the celestial city. 
And there are all kinds of dangers that we will face on the way. And we, like any traveler, will look for help when danger comes. So with this in mind, the psalmist writes, I lift my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? Hopefully you can picture the view of the pilgrims in this verse, as they are no longer in the flatlands, but now they are in the hill country of Judea, as they are traveling along the path in the valley. And we would do well to understand what the hills would have represented for people in this day when this psalm was written. The hills would have provided a natural defense against all enemies who would come against the city. So for this reason, cities were often built in these high places because it would prevent enemies from easily storming their walls. Because before they would even get to the wall, they would need to climb up a mountain or up to the hills. And since pictures are worth a thousand words, I have a picture that depicts this city that's built up on a hill. You can put that picture up on the screen. This is the fortress that is called Masada. It was built on the top of a mountain near the Dead Sea. And just by looking at it, hopefully we can see just how clearly this city would have been fortified. And any enemy who would wish to come against it would have their work cut out for them. So this is one benefit that Jerusalem would have had as it was built atop Mount Zion. Jerusalem was the very city on a hill that everyone would have, would have seen coming from miles away. So listen again to verse 1. I lift my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come from? Consider this question that's being asked. Where does your help come from? Is your help and security found in a city that is built up high in the mountains? Or is your help in the military strength of man? Or is your help found in medicine or, say, job security or any other kind of place that we seek security here on earth? Is our help found in a safe home, in a safe nation where we have all our freedoms? No, but instead our help comes from the one who is higher than the hills. The psalmist says, my help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. You see, we are so quick to look to the creation for our help. Be it a city on a hill, then, or any modern means of security today. But the psalmist, after having his eyes raised to the greatness of the hills, goes to look even beyond the heavens. And there he remembers that his help comes from the Lord who made both the heaven and the earth. And so if the hills would give any man a sense of defense and help and security, well then how much stronger is the help that comes from the maker of every mountain? All that we see was made by God. The Lord created everything from nothing by the word of his mouth. Let's consider just how powerful our God is who's able to do that. You see, no person can make anything out of nothing. If we make something, we first need the right resources or ingredients. And further, in order for any of us to actually make something, we can't just speak it into being. If we want to make something, we need to get up. We need to use our hands. So if I want to make lunch, let's say, after church, I can't just speak it into being. If I want to make lunch, I'll need to get up, 
I'll need to go to the fridge and see what's there. And then after seeing the ingredients that I have, I'll need to prep it using all the tools that I have at my disposal to use it. And I can't just put my hands on it and expect that food to get cooked. I need to put it on the oven or maybe put it on the grill. And only then might it be edible if I do it right. You see, you and I, we can't just use our words in order for reality to exist. If a man is just talk, well, then he is a liar. But our God has so much power in himself that all he needs to do is say the word and it is done. And so it was with just a word, God created all that there is. So when we look at the hills and we think, what a, what a strong fortress can we build on that hill? Well, we should consider then how much greater and how much stronger is our help when our help is from the Lord who made the hills and the heavens. So there's one theme that is going to take us through the entirety of the psalm. And consequently, there is one point for my entire sermon. And that is this. The Lord is our help and he will keep all of his people from all evil for all time. The Lord is our help and he will keep all of his people from all evil for all time. This word keep is an important word for us to understand this morning because it's used six times in this psalm. The word keep means to watch or to guard, to protect and to preserve. And so a guard of a city is said to keep watch because he is to guard, to preserve and protect the city from an enemy's attack. A shepherd is to keep the sheep under his care and in keeping the sheep, the shepherd feeds them and protects them from danger. Adam was put in the garden to work it and to keep it. In other words, he was to watch, guard, preserve, and protect the garden. And I can hardly help but just give myself one little indulgence. Think of Lord of the Rings. Frodo was to keep the ring, to keep it secret, and to keep it safe. So too... We should understand in this repeated refrain that the Lord will keep you, we should understand this means that he will watch you, he will guard you, he will protect you, and he will preserve you. And so listen to how our God keeps his people. Verse three, he will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. So again, I want us to think through the lens of a pilgrim on their way to Jerusalem as we hear these words. The psalmist said, he will not let your foot be moved, or the way the NASB translates it, he will not allow your foot to slip. And so for the pilgrim who is hiking up the side of the hills, this would be a significant promise. For the trip to Jerusalem would have had all kinds of obstacles that might cause a pilgrim to fall. And a fall for a pilgrim might be compared perhaps to a flat tire for us. And even worse, because a fall could lead to all sorts of injuries that might make the rest of the journey miserable, difficult, and might even prevent them from making it to Jerusalem. But such a thing would not happen to God's pilgrim. For God establishes each and every step that we take such that we will remain upright throughout the entire journey. The psalmist said, he who keeps you will not slumber. 
Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. Again, put yourself in the position of a pilgrim and understand how significant this promise is. The journey to Jerusalem would have been exhausting. As I said earlier, it would have taken up to four days for some to make it there. And that's just one way. And then there's another journey home, which would take another four days. And this journey, because of its length and its hard work, as you're walking by foot perhaps, would require some rest along the way. And so at night, you would set up your camp, maybe a little fire, but that was it. And then there in the nights, there would be a whole new list of threats that might come your way, be it animals or other travelers who might want to do you harm. But the pilgrim who belongs to the Lord has no need to fear what might come in the night. For when the pilgrims are sleeping, their God is awake, keeping them, guarding them, protecting them, and preserving them. Who among us can endure with no sleep? Answer, none of us. Just a month ago, the youth group had a lock-in here at the church, and the most young and spry among us who have so much energy that I can't keep up with them were dropping like flies as the sun rose. Our need for rest reveals just how weak we are. But our God who made heaven and earth has so much strength in himself that he has no need for such sleep. So understand, in the day when you are walking by the way, the Lord is keeping you from slipping. And in the night when you are sleeping, the Lord is keeping watch. So hopefully we get a better sense of what it means for the Lord to be your keeper. But he says here in verse four, the Lord is not just your keeper as an individual. For the psalmist says that the Lord is the keeper of Israel as well. This means that every single pilgrim on their way to Jerusalem is under the same watchful care of our God. And not a single one of them will slip on their journey nor be killed in the night. For the Lord will not fail to keep all who belong to him. So understand what this means for us, friends. If God is the keeper of Israel, then our God is the keeper of his church. And as a pastor, this brings me such sweet relief. You see, at the end of the day, I will be exhausted and I will need to sleep. But just because I sleep does not mean danger ceases. There are all kinds of troubles that will come your way in the day and in the night. And I can't be there for all of them. In fact, I can't even be there for most of them. For I am only a man and just one at best. And even if you consider all the elders, all five of these men here who oversee the church, well, they're just five mere men. And if it were up to us to try to keep the church, we would fail. In fact, if it were up to me just to try to keep myself, once again, I would fail. But the Lord has a better track record than me, for he keeps all who belong to him. This is what the psalmist is saying. He says, not a single saint has slipped, for our God does not sleep. What other source of help can compare to our God? Answer, there is no help like our God. 
Let's continue in verse 5. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. Again, put yourself in the shoes of a pilgrim when you hear this. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. So for a pilgrim on the road with no shelter, shade would be an indispensable comfort for survival. I, for one, am not a man who likes the sun. Whenever I can find shade, I will be in the shade. And if I can be in the AC, that's even better yet. So I can easily appreciate what it means for the Lord to be our shade on our journey when the sun strikes us by day. But it's not just the sun that the pilgrim needs protection from, for even the moon in its night can be harsh. The cold, biting wind in the night is sure to make even the most rugged men wish he was back home in his warm bed. And so the psalmist says that the Lord is our shade, both in the blistering heat of the day and in the biting cold of the night. So hopefully we can understand that we as pilgrims need our God to protect us in any and all seasons. Let's take this image of a sun and a moon by day and by night metaphorically for just a moment. We can understand this to be the highs and the lows in which the Lord is there to protect us from any harm that might come our way. So in times of rejoicing and in times of mourning, the Lord is our shelter. In times of peace and in times of war, the Lord is our, the Lord is our fortress. In times of health and in times of sickness, the Lord is our protection. Or as the apostle says, not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Learning the secret to contentment that Paul has learned requires that we also learn this, of this constant variable in our life that never changes. So listen again to how the psalmist describes this constant variable in verse 5. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. So you could look around at your right hand. Perhaps it's on your left at the moment. But what is that shade that is always next to you? Do you know? It's your shadow. And shadows only run away from you in the cartoons. But in the real world that we live in, a shadow will never leave you, whether it's the day or the night. For wherever there is light, you will be able to see that shade at your right hand. And so it is of our Lord. He is our shade on our right hand. This means that the Lord is with us in every circumstance. Be it the hour of the day under the sunlight or any hour under the night sky, the Lord will never leave you or forsake you. So learn this so that you might be able to say with Paul that you have learned how to be content in any and all circumstances. The Lord, he offers us protection 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and 365 days a year. And then when leap year comes around, he adds another day just because he never takes a break. 
Look at verse 7. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord keeps us, here's my emphasis, from all evil. So how far does this promise reach? Does this mean God will keep us from the nations who plot against us? Yes, for the evil nations are included in these two small words, all evil. What about the evils in our own nation? When the wicked comes against the church, will God keep us from that evil as well? Absolutely. For even the evil in our own nation is included in these two words, all evil. Well, what about our brothers and sisters, be it biological or even those in the church? Does God protect me from them when they wish to do me harm? Well, do they fall under the umbrella of all evil? Yeah, God will keep you from them too. But don't stop there. Let's not forget about the most present and dangerous evil in your life, that being your own flesh that wages war against the things of the spirit. The evil of your flesh is included in this promise of him keeping us from all evil. The Lord will keep your life. What good news this is for us to hear this morning if you are afraid and anxious. So we hear it again in verse eight. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. By this point in the psalm, we have heard this repeated refrain, the Lord will keep you six times. But we will still need to hear it yet again before we go home because we are easily consumed by fear and anxiety. So hear it again even now. The Lord will keep you. And tonight, when you're settled into your house for the day, you'll need to hear it yet again. So I'd encourage you, write it down. And I mean it, write it on your hand. Write it on your notes. Write it in, tuck it in your wallet. Put it next to your vanity. I wanna get emails of you taking pictures of this promise that says, the Lord will keep you. Because it's repeated time and time in this Psalm, I think because we so easily forget it. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in. This well sums up the entirety of the pilgrim's trip, and it also sums up the entirety of our life. For in the morning we go out, and the evening we come in. And in both circumstances, the Lord is there to keep us. Whether it's in the marketplace, in the workplace, in school, at the grocery store, driving along the way, you name it, wherever it is, the Lord is keeping you. But this word going out, we might also understand it to be the very beginning of our journey. Perhaps it's the beginning of our life. And our coming in, we might understand this to be the very end of our life when the journey has come to an end. And so we can understand that in any and all circumstances of life, God will keep us along every step of our journey. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. So is there any part of the journey where God will not keep us? No, for he will keep us from this time forth and forevermore. 
This means there is no span of time that can make void the promise of our God. The Lord, he is our help, and he will keep all of his people from all evil for all time. And this is good news, amen? But it seems too good to be true. It seems as if the psalmist has never actually made the pilgrim to Jerusalem. It seems as if he has no more looked up to the hills than he has even looked out his door. For we just need to, to look up and we'll see that saints have slipped on the rocks. We need to simply just look around in the dead of the night and we will see that people have been robbed and killed. And anyone who's been out in the sun knows that they still get a sunburn. And anyone who's ever been under the cold night sky knows it's still chilly, even for God's people. And there are countless evils that come against God's people every day, yes, even every minute of every hour. All these promises simply sound too good to be true in our fallen world. If God is really our help, then why do we face so many hardships? Some of us feel like God is altogether fallen asleep and hasn't been awake for days. But the scriptures aren't silent about our suffering. We've been going through First Peter and youth group, and this is one of the many times that Peter speaks of our suffering. And it's been a an encouragement to me. He says, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice insofar as you share in Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. What Peter is telling us is that the trials are all a part of the journey. It wasn't just Peter who said this, but even our Lord himself promised us. He told us that we would suffer. He said to them, nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be great earthquakes and in various places, famines and pestilences. And there will be terrors and great signs from heaven. But before this, they will lay their hands on you and persecute you, delivering you up to the synagogues and prisons and you will be brought before kings and governors for my name's sake. Picking up in verse 16, you will be delivered up even by parents and brothers and relatives and friends, and some of you they will put to death. You will be hated by all for my name's sake. This hardly sounds like God is our help who will not even allow our foot to slip, let alone to keep us alive. But Jesus is not done speaking. For right after he told us that we will even be put to death and hated by all, he continues with this promise in verse 18. But not a hair of your head will perish. How is this even possible? How is it possible that we will be put to death and yet our hair won't even die? Well, this is possible in the very same way that our Lord never saw corruption. For while he suffered in every imaginable way that man could possibly think of, our God did something that no man could have ever imagined. For on the third day, he was brought back to life from the grave. 
See, there really is no tension between the suffering in this life and the security we have in Christ. Paul harmonizes our harm and God's help perfectly in Romans 8 when he says this, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? And then he goes on to list all kinds of troubles that we might face. Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake, we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. In other words, Paul says, we're going to suffer. We're going to have troubles. We will face anguish and mistreatment in this life. We might not have food. We might not even have clothes. We will be set before every kind of danger. We might even fall under the sword. We will be killed all day, every day. And he compares us here to, to sheep who are being brought into the temple. And you know why sheep are brought into the temple. It's not to be sheared. It's to be slaughtered. So does this mean that God has abandoned us? Does this mean that our shadow has left us under the heat of the sun or in the cool of the night? Paul's answer, no. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Do you see what Paul did there? He did something really similar to the, what the psalmist has already done. Remember, the psalmist said that our life will be kept from all evil. And here Paul said that there isn't anything in all creation, there isn't anything in all creation that will be able to separate us from the love of God. I have an Arminian friend who once tried to tell me, you can lose your salvation, don't you know that, Josh? So I took him to Romans 8 and I said, no, look at this, nothing can separate us from the love of God. He said, oh, but this, Paul didn't say that you can't separate you from the love of God. But last I checked, I'm a part of the created world. I'm a creation. I am a thing that has been made by God. And he says there isn't anything in all creation that will be able to separate us from the love of God. So for those who know the acronym TULIP, you'll have heard of the doctrine that we call the perseverance of the saints. This wonderful doctrine teaches us that Christians cannot lose their salvation because the Lord keeps all that belong to him. And there is nothing, I say nothing, Paul says, the Bible says, there is nothing in all of creation that can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. This is what the psalmist is saying in verse seven. He says, the Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time. You can just stake it in the ground today, all the way into eternity. From this time forth and forevermore, you will be kept by your God. The Lord will keep you safe until the end. And so hear it again from Paul. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. There are not many things that I'm confident of in this world. I'm not even sure that tomorrow will come. I don't even know if I'll make it home tonight. But I can be sure of this with Paul, that God who has bestowed upon you his grace, who before even that, he, he sent his son into the world, 
to die for you. He's not going to just quit halfway in the middle. He is going to bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. And we can be sure of this because the scriptures tell us over and over and over and over and over and over and over again that the Lord keeps us from this time forth and forevermore. So take it from our Lord himself when he has said this, and this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. This is what our song of ascents is saying. He is saying that your God will keep you, and he will not lose you, but instead you will be resurrected with Christ on the last day. So don't look to the hills. Don't look to your bank account, to your health, your job security, anything for that matter, but instead look to the Lord who made heaven and earth, for he alone is your help. And if this seems too good to be true in this fallen world, it's owing to the fact that you do not know who our God is. And whenever we doubt the promises of God, be it the promises here that just seem too good to be true, then we need to go back and recount who he is. Our God is not a man that he should lie, or a son of man that he should change his mind. Has he said, and will he not do it? Or has he spoken, and will he not fulfill it? Our God will keep you to the end, and not a hair of your head will perish. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling, and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy, to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forevermore. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you that you have given us your word. You have given us these promises so that we might not be afraid. And so, Lord, would you give us your spirit even now? so that we would be strengthened, so that we would have courage, and so that we might boldly go on from this place worshiping you and declaring your name among all the nations. Lord, even now, would you remind us of this promise that you will keep us to the end. Teach us this, Lord. Remind us of this daily. And when we're afraid, God, would you come near to us and be our comfort? And in so doing, Lord, be honored and glorified, we ask in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Let's stand together.